There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. One of the most requested guests that I've had on the show, this is his first time on the show, is Congressman Byron Donalds. And I got a chance to meet him at the Club 47 recently. And what an amazing evening we had. So he agreed to come on the show. How are you, Congressman? Hey, Joyce. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, pretty well, except that it's extremely hot. Something I don't have to explain to you because you're a Floridian. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, <laughs> one of those very hot days. But, you know, I, I deal with this part of Florida because basically from October through April, it's gorgeous here. It sure is. And I like the heat. You know, I'm just a tropical kind of gal. But I have to tell you, uh, since I spoke about you the day after I met you, um, I was getting emails and and text messages and stuff posted on Facebook. You got to get them on the show. You got to get them on the show. You have become sort of a, a, a celebrity. And everyone is asking me, is he the most obvious VP choice for Donald Trump. Are you hearing a lot of that? Uh, yeah, I do hear it. I mean, the first thing I'd say is it, it's really awesome, you know, just to have people even want to talk about me in that in that light. You know, Joe, I, I got into this really just to save the country. You know, mm-hmm. I have three kids. I'm a finance guy by trade. All I want to do is be able to help our country be successful. And, uh, and so whatever needs to happen to make that be a, become a reality, I'm all for it. And you were the first Florida congressman to come out in support of Donald Trump. And I know that that's a, you know, I'm a total supporter and I take a lot of heat. Uh, do you hear from all these uh, constituents like, but he can't win, he's going to jail and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I think the the thing that people are mostly concerned about is, you know, they want to win back the White House. We all know Joe Biden is an awful president. He's done a terrible job. And so, you know, they want to be successful. And I totally understand. I get it. But Donald Trump, he's the leader of our party. Like a lot of Republicans who, you know, are in the fight now, you know, a lot of us look at Donald Trump and what it means to do that, how you how you deal with the press, how you deal with the, the negativity, the naysayers, how you just keep going regardless of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, he can hit the ground running on day one. He can do the job both both domestically and internationally, which is what we're going to need. And so, and the other piece is now looking back through everything that's occurred with you know all the investigations, what the Durham report has brought up, and now what we know about the Biden family and how corrupt they are and how corrupt the Clintons were. I mean, he didn't even get a fair chance at his at his first at his first term in the White House. So imagine what would happen if you kind of get this stuff behind you and we're allowed to focus on America, on, a, on policies for the American people. Yeah, I cannot understand how Congress is holding these meetings, committee uh, and, and hearings and listening to, de- you know, genuine whistleblowers. I mean, the last guy that spoke, 
he's a Democrat. And he said, this is just yeah. so much corruption that we can't tolerate it. What, what does it feel like to be sitting there and hear that? It's it's damning, I got to mm-hmm. tell you, because we've been doing our investigations the last six six months and we know what we're coming up with. But when it's corroborated by uh, career officials in our agencies, they're not in the political brass. They just they, they do the job that's asked for them to do and do it well. And for them to report um, in open hearing about this. And the thing that's even more disgusting is the Democrats just ignore it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it'd be one thing if they tried to attack the evidence, attack the information. They didn't even want to do that. All they wanted to do was, you know, break, talk about Donald Trump because they know this is so terrible that Joe Biden is compromised, that he's on the take, his family's on the take, and they were selling his influence, which is public corruption, to mm-hmm. countries and companies around the world. Mm-hmm. So it, it's so disgusting to see this. And especially when you see the policies coming out of this White House that are not putting the country first in line, it puts America last in line. I mean, it makes more sense today because Joe Biden was taking money from foreign countries. So, of course, he's not acting in our best interest. Well, and then I watched uh, the, the committee when Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was speaking and looking at the Democrats who now think censorship is a good thing. I mean, they're censoring a Democrat. They didn't want to hear what he had to say, and they were marginalizing him. I, I'm not sure why they're so uh, enthralled with this Biden-Harris administration, maybe because whoever's manipulating these two behind the scenes has a lot of power, but I- I've never seen two more inept people in the White House in my life. Well, I think the reason why they're in protect mode is because the radical left's agenda is being accomplished by Joe Biden. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. You have, you know, the Green New Deal is alive and well in our country. They passed it in the Inflation Reduction Act. You have all these these handouts to unions in the infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. They spent billions and billions of dollars in our agencies more than we ever needed. House Republicans, we're not trying to pull to pull that money back out, but that feeds the federal bureaucracy and all the little pet projects they want to have done there. Uh, our border is wide open and it's a mess, but that's what the radical immigration people in the Democrat Party want to see. We're turning a block. We're 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 turning our back on Israel. Let me be very clear. We are turning our back on, on Israel in favor of the Iranian regime. Well, who wants that but the people at these groups like J Street and all these other people who are more interested in a two-state solution which does not benefit Israel and only weakens Israel on the world stage. This is the policies that he is enacting. So they're getting what they want. I, I, I look at it this way, Joyce. Have you heard much from Bernie Sanders or AOC the last year and a half, two years? No, the answer no. is no, because they're getting exactly what they want. Mm. And and just uh, I become more and more nervous about this whole idea of they're running the show in the tech world where they're literally instructing these platforms what they can allow on and what they can. I mean, if Elon Musk had not bought Twitter we would have no place to get information. Totally true. Um, you have the CDC, the FBI, the DOJ, and the White House have all censored speech on our social media platforms, and they have used the power of government to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our country is based on freedom of thought, on freedom of speech. 
You can't have freedom in, the, in an economy or freedom of, of worship if you're not allowed to just simply speak your mind. And so what they have done is they have suppressed this information because they know that if the American people are openly communicating with each other, that their agenda is defeated before it even begins. This is what we're dealing with. So, you know, my message to Republicans and even independents who are watching, and yes, you know what, even conservative Democrats, true liberals, if you want a country where at least you're allowed to speak your mind and have a good conversation about this, you can no longer support Joe Biden and this this brand of Democrats. They are radical and they are committed to their agenda, regardless of the damage to our country. Yeah. And and obviously it's um, th- we don't have to sit around and write the script. If it's not public corruption, what is it when you take 20-something million dollars, amass it over a 50-year career in Washington? You're up there. I mean, it's a decent salary, but do you think you'll be a multimillionaire in a few years? That, that's not supposed no, to happen. I, Joyce, no, I don't. I, I'm actually losing money <laughs> doing this job. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll tell you, I think that because I was in the finance business. That was my mm-hmm. career. I'm a member of Congress now. And I'm not upset with my choices because, you know, we have a country to save. Right. Saving the country matters right now, and I'm, and I'm committed to that. But the only way you're making money is if somebody's setting up stuff on the outside. Mm-hmm. And that's what his family did. And, look, it's not like there's anybody in the Biden family that has a real job. I mean, Hunter Biden has no expertise. Jim Biden, Joe Biden's brother, he has no expertise. What, the grandchildren, are they rocket scientists and they're the mm-hmm. ones getting paid? No, that's not true. The only person with anything that's possibly valuable is the fact that Joe Biden was a senator for 40 years. He was a vice president, and now he's a president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And so apparently that's worth anywhere from 20 to $40 million dollars. Yeah. Well, so, you know, the question on everybody's mind is, what are you guys going to do about it? You've only got a five, what, a five-person majority in the House? Yeah. So what do you do? How, how, do, you, how so, do you close this? What, I, what we're doing right now, and I, and I think this is why investigations are important. I know that we have, uh, we have uh, Americans who are frustrated. They just want something done. Right. <clears throat> and they want it done fast, uh, in a fast manner. But you do have to go through the crop, the process and build your case. We don't have the luxury of the Democrats where they impeached over a phone call mm. and they impeached over January 6th where the media will cover for you and won't ask critical questions. We have to present real evidence. We have to actually do investigations. So I think what we're going to do is continue our investigations. We're going to tr- track down this money flow, see where it started, see where it ended. We're still doing investigations. We're still doing a bunch of of uh, testimonies under oath with with key people in this. And I believe when we hit critical mass, we're going to have everything we need for impeachment proceedings on Joe Biden. Now, Mm -hmm. I will also say that I think what's come out of this process is the level of of obstruction of justice, the level of corruption at the Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, depending on how our investigations go, there probably will be uh, uh, articles of impeachment on Merrick Garland. Yeah. Well, good. You certainly have the support of a lot of Americans. You know, this is a divided country, but we're also a country that appreciates fairness. And, you know, if they believe that if they keep attacking Donald Trump and keep charging him and indicting him, that that's going to turn the American people away from him, they don't have a clue what's really happening in America today. Because people I know who were very lukewarm about Donald Trump uh, are starting to say, this is insane. 
We cannot allow this any longer. If Joe Biden can become multimillionaire um, through all kinds of selling privileged information or whatever it is that he's done, then stop. Leave Donald Trump alone. He's our nominee. So I, I just hope, you know, that he holds on. Is he? I know you talk to him. Is he? Is he holding up? Yeah, he is, and I think he's as committed to saving this country now than he ever has been. Mm-hmm. Because now he, 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 now he truly sees the depth of the rot uh, in the federal government and in these agencies. And, and look, let me be very clear. I think you know, even Republicans back in 2015, 2016. You know, our our thoughts was, man, you know, these politicians just don't know what they're talking about. To quote President Trump, our our politicians are stupid and they don't know what they're doing. But I got to say, the mantra in 24 is our some of these politicians are corrupt and they Mm. do know what they're doing and they have to be defeated for the country to survive. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, it's it's an honor talking to you, Representative Donalds, representing the 19th district here in Florida. But I got to tell you, when I look back at how you won that election, I, it was absolutely divine. You know that, right? Yeah, we uh, <laughs> 774 votes is what I won my primary by. That and it was incredible. just a lot of work, a lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. A lot of just, just keep grinding and keep your head focused on what needs to be done. And, you know, now I represent a great district in Florida and the best state in the country. And, you know, Joyce, the mission doesn't change. We're going to do everything we can to save the country. Yeah, and your wife's involved in the mission, too. I had no idea that she was involved with the Moms for Liberty. But, you know, we got to take this country back, and it might just be moms and dads who do it. Thanks so much for coming on board. I appreciate it. I hope you'll be a regular guest. It's always uh, great to talk to you. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. I have some seriously not good news about our military. You know, two stories that really just um, disturbed me greatly and should disturb you as well. The first was in the Washington Times. said the U.S. military is in a bitter fight to attract and retain recruits, and its most potent enemies are around every corner. It's Wendy's. It's every single job that a young person can go up against because now they're offering the same incentives that we are offering. That's our competition right now, said Army Command Sergeant Major Marco Irenz, the head of the Nevada Army National Guard Recruiting and Retention Battalion. Sergeant Irenz and other National Guard officials briefed reporters about this recruiting crisis that's confronting our armed forces. And that's pretty serious. This is the worst recruiting environment in the 50-year history of the country's experiment with an all-volunteer army and a a force that's all-volunteer. You know, when I was growing up, we had drafts. Certainly during the Vietnam era, we had drafts. And with the exception of the Marine Corps, every single service organization expects to fall short of its recruiting goals in fiscal 2023. The Army expects to be about 10,000 soldiers short of its goal. The Navy is on track to be about 6,000 short. 
the Air Force will miss its mark by about 10,000. And uh, I didn't see any statistics on the Coast Guard. And I guess part of me hopes that um, this horrifying event that took place where the Coast Guard figured prominently won't dissuade, but perhaps persuade young people to join the Coast Guard. But I don't know the answer to that question. And then I received an email from uh, Congressman Michael Walt, and uh, you know he had written an article in the Washington Examiner, and it said, what if I told you China's People's Liberation Army or some other adversary could strike the United States homeland through cyber or by cutting off critical supply chains in a way that rivaled the carnage of the September 11th attacks? Such a brutal assault against our citizens would surely demand an immediate and overwhelming response that couldn't be excused with sanctions or precision strikes. Rather, the American public would demand such an attack be met with a whole of military response that required all our land, air, and sea assets. This is a scenario we hope to deter, but one which we must increasingly be prepared for. Yet the climate reforms the Biden administration is swiftly implementing will cripple the military's readiness for our next conflict. And the signals these policy changes are sending to industry could also damage our industrial base for years to come. You know, the uh, Army Secretary Christine Warmoth, they have decided that they have to be rapidly addressing climate change with aggressive transformations to reduce carbon emissions from vehicles and installations. They want to be 100% carbon pollution-free electricity for Army installations by 2030 and net zero Army emissions by 2050. Let me ask you, do you care if the fighting forces emit carbon? Like, that's not going to be our biggest problem. If China attacks or any, you know, or the mullahs in Iran begin attacking uh, uh, Israel, do you really think that we should be sitting around and contemplating how much carbon emissions will be involved in response? Because I don't, you know, and I'm not an armchair warrior. I admit I don't know what I don't know. But one thing I am quite certain, having been the daughter of a, a man who took the might of the military that our country, I mean, harnessed to end World War II, this is not a particularly good time to be playing climate games with the military. It's not a good time to be playing, you know, these LGBTQ games with the military. Because trust me, they're not playing those games in China, they're not playing those games in Russia, and they're not playing those games in the Middle East. They're just not. And I often think about, you know, back in the beginning of my talk radio career down here when it was the Bill Clinton election and then the Bill Clinton years, we talked frequently about the fact that Bill Clinton really did not like the military, never had a positive thing to say about the military, uh, was known to be reluctant to dispatch forces, and when he did, he often made very strategic errors you know, bombing an aspirin factory. And so it was during that period of time that I first experienced a little fear. And I said, well, you know, if we don't have the best fighting force, then we're not the leaders of the free world. And then 
little by slowly, it got better again. And not always as a direct result of Republican leadership, mind you, because I think that uh, we've had some Republican leadership which made some terrible errors, in particular, weapons of mass destruction, you know, and endless, endless incursions into the Middle East with no apparent, you know, protocol or recipe to win. And so, you know, I am feeling the way I have felt in the past that we are very vulnerable. And what makes it worse this time, and the reason I'm much more nervous this time, is because back then, our country may have had divisions, and there may have been people who had different political ideas and political philosophies, but we were not divided the way we are now. This country is split in half, and a house divided cannot stand, and a military that cannot defend the divided house is a real problem. But the fact that we're asking those questions again and the fact that there are people like me who are very concerned because we do not trust the military leadership anymore. You know, how many, you know, uh, generals in, in gender transition do we have now? How many admirals are men wearing skirts? This should concern us greatly. And if it doesn't, you know, well then, yeah, I, I wish you, I wish you the peace that comes with being an idiot because I am concerned and I am raising the alarm with my congressman. I'm raising the alarm with both of my senators. I have uh, called the White House and I have said, how ready is the United States military and why are we pouring money into you know, DEI and all the rest of this when, and, and climate change protocols when we have enemies that are arming and wreaking havoc in various parts of the world watching, watching us. What do you think the mullahs in, in Iran think when they see you know, our admiral, who is a, I, I don't even know how to refer to, to this person, you know, a man in a dress, a transgendered woman, whatever, whatever makes you happy. How do you think the mullahs in Iran look at that? How do you think Vladimir Putin looks at that? How do you think Xi Jinping looks at that? You know, there's not another country on earth where they would tolerate the level of insanity that we have let penetrate every single corner of our society from academia to early childhood education to the military. I mean, the military was always the sacred cow. You don't play around with the military. You don't play around with our children. But now those are no longer sacred, you know. The Department of Justice, I'm asking people that I meet casually, you know, how do you feel about, you know, all these, uh, all these scandals, you know, the president getting arrested or, you know, Hunter Biden, you know, getting a plea deal, you know, do, do you believe that the Department of Justice 
is targeting, for instance, Donald Trump. And I got stone cold Democrats saying, yeah, of course. Really? And that's okay with you? You know, that's the part that's so crazy to me. It doesn't seem to bother them very much. But if the Department of Justice is not going to be even-handed based on political views, I may be in a lot of trouble. You know, the day will come when it won't just be censorship. I can live with censorship. But I really don't want to get incarcerated because of my beliefs. I don't want to be targeted. I don't want them to uh, make up a crime and then make me fit in it. That's what they do. That's what they do. This is horrendous. It's just horrendous. And and the whole, the whole while, right, I got a, a border that's wide open on the south, a border that's fairly open on the north. I have a TSA that's busy, you know, body searching, uh, you know, James O'Keefe, but not worrying at all about Chinese nationals coming across the southern border. I, I'm just, I'm not even confused. I'm really angry about all this. And I'm really convinced that they want there to be so many problems that we cannot focus on anyone. But the idea that I have a military that is unprepared for what could conceivably happen within the next maybe two, five, two to five years should scare you to death. You know, you have a national... Uh, guardsman, an Air National Guardsman, this Jack Texera, charged this month with six counts of willful retention and transmission of classified information while he was assigned to the Air National Guard on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And all I'm thinking is, you know, did that result in any, you know, foreign powers uh, getting information that could endanger us? Nobody's answering that question. Anyway, stay right where you are. I'll be right back. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.